0: Welcome to the commercial real estate investing from A to Z podcast. I'm your host, Steph Baldrini. This podcast is for everyone who wants to be part of our real estate family and learn commercial real estate investing from A to Z. I'll be sharing with you tips for real estate investing while being mentored by a few people with several years of experience so that you and I can make the least amount of mistakes as possible and succeed a lot faster. My goal is to keep things very straightforward because I value your time and you are here to learn. With that, in the last episode, we shared our very first live mastermind call with several top commercial real estate investors and each one of us shared what we were going through and how we were approaching the current state of affairs and how our markets were performing. And in this episode, we are interviewing Jyoti Yadav. Jyoti is a CLO and CMBS analyst at TREP. TREP is a leading provider of data analytics and technology to the CMBS, CRE, CLO, and banking markets. We are going to be discussing what exactly is CMBS And what is the current state of delinquency in the commercial mortgage-backed securities? Here we go. Jyoti, thank you so much for joining us today. I am a big fan of reaching out to people that I want to have on the podcast. And you kindly said yes after I read one of your articles. Why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about you?
1: Thank you, Steph, for reaching out to me. I really appreciate your invite and I'm very excited to share all the insights and uh, information I can provide to you and your listeners. My name is Jyoti Yadav. I work as a research analyst with TREP, which is a data analytics and modeling firm based in New York. We track the CMBS, CRE, and CLO data. Our form primarily started in 1980s, tracking the CMBS data. So we have you know, information on loans and essentially the entire market since it started back then.
0: Why don't you tell us what is CMBS for those who don't know or may not be familiar with the terminology, please.
1: CMBS stands for commercial mortgage backed securities. It's essentially a financing vehicle to provide loans or financing to commercial real estate property owners. So this is not the only option available in the entire universe of course. CMBS essentially accounts for 15 to 20 percent of the lending universe. It competes with insurance companies, banks and other financial institutions to provide loans to the commercial real estate industry. So what happens in the market is A bank, let's suppose an entity A would uh, provide, let's say 10 loans to property owners across America, different property tribes, different geographic locations. And that bank, if it has provided, let's say $100 million worth of loans, it'll pool all of those loans together, And that essentially means the monthly mortgage payment that the borrowers are making to lenders, they'll pool all of that together and issue bonds, which will be sold to investors. So what happens here is, banks are able to offload the interest rate risks. Also, they have available capital, which can be redeployed and lent to other uh, commercial real estate property owners out there. That is why banks try to use this securitization methodology here. Investors, they really like this investment because it's a 10-year fixed rate investment. So in CMBS, the borrowers, they have meaningful prepayment restrictions. That means they cannot prepay a loan, or if they do prepay, they make additional payments to commensurate the monthly payments they would have made otherwise and investors get a diversified asset pool, right? It could be an office property in New York, it could be a hotel in Florida, in Minnesota, in Indiana. So it's a very diversified asset pool, and these are like traditionally stabilized performing properties. Uh, You will see that all the loans that are there in the CMBS universe would have like financial numbers going back a number of years since they were introduced in the market. You will know exactly who the tenants are, how long their lease is going to last, how big the property is, what's the square footage, how much is the NOI per square foot. So it really provides transparency in this market, which is otherwise not as transparent.
0: I already have so many questions based on just that answer, but I'm going to focus with the original ones <laughs> for now. <laughs> What is the current state of CMBS today?
1: So, of course, since COVID, whatever happened before March was a completely different story. The market was performing in a completely different way. And now, after like, let's say late March, the situation has drastically changed. But what is really happening is that there is a certain not as aggressive lending out there in the commercial real estate space. What is happening is lenders are extremely cautious. Like they want to really analyze, let's suppose I am lending to office space in Houston, Texas. Before this crisis, when oil prices were not that low and the market was kind of doing okay, they would look at the tenant rooster, they would see who the tenants are and You know, most of the times there was no issue, but now in Texas, energy companies have been battered, and the credit quality of the tenant has become an issue and you do not know if the current tenant of the property will continue its lease. You do not know if they will continue to make payments and that is really making lenders take a step back and understand who should they lend money to you and all sorts of analysis they need to do. So because of that, we have not really seen a lot of lending for hotels, of course, because hotels have been suffered a lot, right? They still mm-hmm. have been suffering a lot, you know, so there is a lot of hesitation in lending and even when there is lending, there's a lot of analysis that's going on. And this also has increased the cost of borrowing for borrowers.
0: Sure.
1: So overall, because there is no lending, there is also no issuance in and CNBS universe. So what I mean to say by that is we have really seen very few deals come through, you know, new deals issued back by different property types. And those deals also are priced much higher. Like the spreads is much wider for these deals. Of course, it's not as crazy as it was in April, you know, when no one had any idea how to price this. Everyone was being very conservative in their valuation. It's not that like crazy anymore, but most of these deals include loans which were made before COVID and banks were. Planning to announce these in March or April, but they had to be pushed out because at that point of time, there was a lot of hesitation in what sort of buying you know what sort of investments people should make and that is really what has happened you know in the last few months in terms of new issuance in terms of new loans now, one thing that trep does, and we have been doing it for a long time is we put out Uh, analysis of performance of how the loans, which are already in our universe, are doing. So what that means is we put out uh, a statistic called as delinquency rate. And delinquency essentially means that these borrowers are more than 30 days behind payment. Okay. And I want you to take like a step back because the numbers I'm going to give you are a little bit frightening.
0: I am disability. sitting down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, perfect. So, <laughs> you know, we definitely need that. When we, when we saw these numbers, I have interacted with a number of people who have been around during the last financial crisis. And, you know, even when they see the numbers and how fast things have completely appended. you know, we take a step back and we really prepare ourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so,
0: I was just going to say, let, let's go there. How are the different asset classes doing the different property types performing in the right. CNBS world?
1: So let me start with an overall number. The June delinquency report that we published had a delinquency rate of 10.32%. To give you a background, TREB tracks approximately over a half a trillion dollar worth of loans that's in balance, and that's approximately more than 200,000 loans that we track. So 10% delinquency rate means that more than $50 billion worth of loans are actually behind on their payment. And there is distress in the sector. So on an overall basis, that's the number. Now if we compare it to an earlier crisis. In the last financial crisis the number was 10.34 percent so we are we are fairly close to wow. the peak that we have ever seen
0: um, do you know how long it took to get to this 10 percent in 08 and because so, we are just four or five months into to covid
1: exactly and that's a very good point you know because the last financial crisis, the number that I quoted, 10.34%, was in July 2012. The crisis wow. started somewhere in 2007, 2008. It took some time for us to reach that number. But if you see in the current crisis, if you really look at it, the number was approximately like 2% before this crisis really came. And we just didn't know. To be honest, no one knew exactly how to understand it. If you look at the number, it was until April 2020, it was 2.29%. And now in June, it's about 10%. So wow. it was a very fast increase. Yeah. You know? I mean, if you're ready, I can also get into the property types.
0: I am ready. And yeah, I'm glad I'm sitting down. This is insane.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I will give the bad news first. So that's out of the way. So hotels. I have not taken a vacation this summer. I don't really know any of my friends or family who have. And you know, I have heard from um, a number of my colleagues who haven't. What it is doing is, it's telling us how tourism is essentially decimated as an industry. People are not taking vacations, they're not going out, they're not booking hotels. That has reduced the occupancy rate at hotels, and that has increased the delinquency number from approximately 1.5% earlier in the year to almost 25% in June. So it's almost at $20 billion worth of loans which are behind in their payments. And that was a June number. Once I finish all of this, I do wanna talk a little bit about whatever I know about July based on our numbers right now, but this is a June number. Similarly, in retail, I mean, retail is in the industry which is already you know, seeing a lot of distress just because we all shop online now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it was seeing an increase in delinquency rate, but slowly, you know, people who had made big, short bets against malls were expecting that retail will go downhill, but maybe in 2022, 2023, But now, the delinquency rate, again, has risen from 4% approximately, actually below 4% earlier in the year, to 18%. And that approximately is $23 billion worth of loans, which are behind payment. So those are the really crazy numbers out there. Mm -hmm. And you will see it over and over, like we emphasize it in all of our research. We talk about it in the Trap podcast, is that Retail and lodging are seeing a lot of distress. Moving on to kind of okay news, multifamily is not really seeing that much of impact. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, it is because of stimulus check, the government programs, the moratorium and evictions, and there is a backstop there. So we have not seen a lot of distress in that sector. Office, on the other hand. That is something that we are watching very closely. You are working from home. I'm working from home. My entire company is working from home. And on some level, we are kind of getting used to this. You know, we are productive. We are able to put out the kind of work we would have almost done if we were in office. So there is a change in preference and we want to see what it will really do to the market. Right now, we're not really seeing that much stress in the office. The good part in all of this data, and that's the only one, I apologize.
0: Oh, (laughs) not your fault.
1: So the good part in this data is industrial sector. CMBS, industrial sector, the overall market is not very huge, but we are still seeing some positive news there. It was the only sector which actually saw a reduction in delinquency rate. That means more and more people we making timely payments because of the e-commerce boom, because of setting up of more warehouse and distribution center. I mean, I've just read in recent Wall Street Journal article which talked about how retail and brick and mortar stores are converted to you know distribution centers. So the overall macro trend is visible in our data set as well. So that is kind of an overall idea of how the sector is performing.
0: Given that this delinquency rate took four years in the last downturn. And for the exact same delinquency rate to take four months Mm -hmm. in this downturn, what do you think will happen in the next six months to a year with commercial real estate properties?
1: Just in the terms of nature of the two crises, they're very, very different. You know, the last one was about lose underwriting standard, you know, losing confidence in the financial market. But even then, there was still demand, you know, the consumer demand did not completely die down. Yes, there was significant impact, but that did not die down. And what happened in this crisis is that There is a complete demand shock in terms of shutdown of industries, which depend on our old way of living. Entertainment, movie theaters, airlines. Mm -hmm. Those industries are just completely gone. And so is the businesses that revolve around that. Kids are not going back to school. What happens to student housing? What happens to small retail stores set up around that neighborhood? People are not flying. What happens to tourism-related economies? And there are hotels, there are retail sectors, and same with office space. It can also talk about a geographical location. You know how things are very different in different areas. In terms of New York, there was a lot of business travel. There was a lot of tourism. There was a lot of entertainment, and all of that was essentially shut down for the last four months. Just to add a point there, this is my personal belief, but I'm a strong believer in New York strong. (laughs) (laughs) And I think New York will come back. But in the meantime, these past four months have created a lot of distress in the sector. So overall, what we see right now is this crisis is going to have a long tail. It is not going to bounce back right away. Things are going to trickle through for a long period of time. And in some ways, it's likely that will be worse than the last crisis. Don't mean to frighten you there, but that's what I'll end
0: with. What can investors do to prepare to take advantage of commercial real estate deals in the future?
1: Just to give a baseline here there are a lot of distressed assets out there we have received requests from numerous number of clients distressed asset buyers investors who are looking looking to invest in the market so i would say that investors have to look at macro level data in terms of how the economy is doing, what the employment, unemployment statistics are, how the manufacturing is going on. And they also have to look at micro level granular data. So to give you an example, investors would want to look at where is the highest delinquency rate, right? Which property type is seeing the highest delinquency rate and in which geographical region, like, San Francisco, as a matter of fact, does not have a very high delinquency rate, whereas New York right now does. And upstate New York on some level is even higher. Of course, the point is that there are very few malls here and there, but it is a high delinquency rate. So that is an overall statistic. You wanna look at the occupancy rate trends. Like if you are trying to zero down on a hotel investment, you wanna see what's the hotel for the past three years, What's the occupancy rate there? What was the performance? What were the revenues for the last three years? And then really put your, I mean, you need very different kind of assumptions that you have to factor in and very different kind of analysis to understand how you can zero down investments right now. But that's possible. It just comes down to doing a very thorough analysis, digging deep into every property, every loan that you want to look at and really getting your hands dirty and figuring out where you can find those investments.
0: Knowing what we know today, which is we have no idea when this will be over, how many months of reserves or years of reserves would you recommend an investor having at this point in time if they were to come across a distressed deal that looks very interesting when the economy comes back to normal?
1: That's a very good question, actually. So I do want to get into that question with slightly different digression is that right now, there are loans in our database. We have a different statistic there, which is essentially tracking if a property owner has requested a forbearance Okay, And the forbearance essentially is that it is deferral of payment for approximately three months for most of the borrowers. So some hotel owners have requested it in April, some requested it in June, starting three months from then. What they're doing during these three months is they're actually using their reserve account to service their debt we are seeing that those reserve accounts are already going much down and those are being utilized to make these payments. So it is very dependent on what kind of property you are looking at. Are you looking at a class A mall? Are you looking at a class B or C mall or some of the malls that were owned by CBL Reed, which is planning to file bankruptcy soon, according to news articles. So it's very, very property specific. But there are properties out there which are doing much better compared to some others who are just completely battered and are ready to give back their keys, you know, some of them need financing in the next few months, some of them need financing in six months, you know, you really have to figure out
0: which ones are not going to be able to make it. Is there anything else that our listeners should know?
1: Yeah, sure. And this is, uh, I think I mentioned earlier that I'll cover it later in the podcast is what we are seeing in July right now. So I talked about June numbers with you earlier. And as of now, we have approximately 80% of the data. What we are seeing right now is actually the delinquency rate has reduced from June. That's good news. <laughs> that is very well news. Yes. Although I would like to warn everyone who's listening is that again, this goes back to me emphasizing on the fact that you really have to get into data. Because the reason why I'm saying that is that we have seen loans, which have received forbearance agreement, you know, they, that's why they're not delinquent anymore. The forbearance agreement could be three months, six months, some have it even longer going all the way at, you know, somewhere in 2021. But, The delinquency rate could be low because of that very reason. So you have to dig in and see why that number has reduced. And does that mean that we will see an uptick maybe three months down the line? Just to give an example on the last point that I just made is there's a Queen's Center Mall that's a $600 million loan in um, New York, and they have received a forbearance agreement for a certain amount of time. Similarly, there is a, a $430 million loan in uh, Syracuse, New York, Destiny Mall, which has also received uh, you know an extension. But at the same time, there is Mall of America, in Bloomington, Minnesota, which is a 1.4 billion dollar loan, and they are 90 days behind payment. And these are just the big statistics that I'm putting out there. You know, you can see their expenses. You can see how their revenues are completely decimated. And it is very dependent on where the property is located and how it has performed in the current time. So, I would like to give more and more information as I. Get it to really help understand what the bigger overall number means, really, in terms of data.
0: You were definitely one of my favorite guests. You gave so much detail, it was so clear. I really appreciate you digging into every single question and answering it so incredibly well for us to have a better understanding of where things are and where they could potentially be. How can uh-huh. our listeners get in touch with you?
1: Of course. So firstly, again, I would like to say thanks all to you. It was a really good discussion and I'm glad you liked it. You guys can get in touch with me at info I'm on the list and so are my amazing colleagues, Manus, Catherine, Joe, And, you know, we all work together and really trying to figure out what is our best research that we can put out there. So any questions you all have, anything, you know, you want to get more information on, please do reach out to us.
0: Thank you so much, Jyoti, for joining us today. I will definitely be reaching out to you again. (laughs) And uh, I really appreciate it. Thank
1: you. I'd love to get in touch with you again.
0: If you know anyone who would like to learn more about commercial real estate investing, make sure to share this podcast with them. And I would like to thank our latest reviewer, Jimbo Fofo. Awesome resource. I have been really intrigued by commercial real estate and this podcast has been a great place to binge during the quarantine. So insightful, such a great resource. Thanks for this. You are most welcome Jimbo Fofo. Your username definitely made me laugh. I am very happy you were binge listening during the quarantine and learning more about commercial real estate. I will see you guys next time.